Hello and welcome to the Combat and Classics Podcast. I'm Brian Wilson in Dallas, Texas. Today we have a very special guest. We have Dan Elkins from the Veterans Education Project. Dan, thanks for joining the show. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So Dan, uh, Dan and I have, have traveled in some of the same circles um, back in the D.C. area. And uh, so Dan, let's start the listeners off. Tell us a little bit about you um, and how you got involved with the um, founding the Veterans Education Project. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so uh, for everyone, my, my name is Daniel Elkins, and I've been a, uh, a service member now for about 10 years. I originally enlisted in the National Guard, uh, and my goal and hope was to become a Green Beret. Um, and uh, very soon afterwards, I realized that uh, that process was going to be a lot longer of a road than I had originally intended due to a whole slew of uh, interesting uh, life things that uh, kind of came up, um, mainly paperwork issues uh, that I had to deal with and then, um, you know, transferring to the right state and so on and so forth. So um, I have ended up eventually going through uh, SFAS and I got selected and then ended up going to the Q course and uh, got my tab back in 2016. Um, and then I've been, uh, I've been in Special Forces uh, group uh, ever since, uh, either on uh, an ODA or in a B-team capacity. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. And uh, through the process, being the citizen soldier aspect of the National Guard, um, I uh, did the military, but also uh, worked on the civilian side. And I started off my civilian side career uh, in uh, veteran uh, advocacy. I started with the VFW and learned a lot about policy. And through the process, developed a love uh, for working higher education issues. Um, so the, the backstory to why and how uh, the Veterans Education Project was started uh, is because over the last decade, uh, or even two decades, uh, there's been uh, quite a lot of changes that have happened across higher education. Um, and there's also been uh, quite a lot of, um, of rhetoric and uh, uh, things that have happened within the higher education space that have been unhelpful uh, to students. And uh, as a result, there's been a lot of information on what not to do and where you shouldn't go. Um, but I haven't seen anyone uh, who's really trying to lead the charge and say, this is innovative. And this is what we need to be exporting uh, across higher education as a whole uh, for you know, service members. So we founded the Veteran Education Project under the idea of breaching possibilities and uh, really uh, getting across the goal line, um, you know, this, uh, this idea of, of, of changing higher education for service members. Um, and that's why, that's why I started the project. So when you say changing higher education for service members, describe what that looks like for you. Yeah, absolutely. So um, one of the things that um, I'm intimately familiar with, because, you know, I put myself in this same categorization is is the issue of military uh, transfer credit or uh, you know uh, college credit for military experience or service right so there's a lot of um, of issues 
surrounding uh, this particular subject. Uh, but the one that I kind of uh, uh, feel like is very, very important to attack is, is this idea of a holistic military assessment, right? So uh, right now, DOD, when you, uh, when you take a military school, uh, you can get what's called a military transcript. And it has uh, a recommendation of what that military training is worth uh, from a academic credit standpoint. Uh, the problems with that are that it's recommended, it's not mandatory, and the evaluation process of the military schools um, is not thorough enough to truly identify the competencies and learning outcomes and objectives that uh, military, uh, military training um, you know, uh, highlights. So we uh, feel very strongly that uh, a holistic assessment uh, is necessary, which combines prior learning assessment, which would be somewhere from, you know, college transcript, college transcript, transferring credits, um, evaluating uh, actual objectives in classes um, with outcome measures, uh, uh, and combining that with competency-based evaluation, uh, where you uh, might say, okay, um, I did X, Y, and Z in training, but then when I got to my unit a uh, year in and year out, I did these things, and these are the experiences I had, and this is what I learned. And I can demonstrate those learning outcomes, even though I haven't had a class on them. Um, so right now, no one in higher education is combining these two, uh, if you will, methodologies together uh, in an evaluation process. So our hope is to, uh, to actually change that um, and create a holistic scaffolding to evaluate a service member's career that not only um, does a better analysis of the military training that they've done, but additionally creates a scaffolding in which you can engage the service member to find out what uh, they've done in their career and then help translate those things into additional academic credit, right? And I think that not only is this the right thing to do with service members, but from the, you know, the social aspect of things, I think that this is something that is going to become increasingly important as we continue the cost of, uh, uh, continue the conversation on the cost of education, right? So in some cases we have the military, uh, that uh, might teach a, someone how to uh, become a, a certified ethical hacker. Uh, and then uh, when they get out of the military, they go to college, uh, and then they have to take the same course again. So then they use their post-911 GI Bill benefits. And in some cases, if they have uh, not rated full post-911 GI Bill benefits, then they might even take out Title IV loans to do it. So you have three different uh taxpayer uh, dollars that are going in for the same type of training. And that's a, a tragedy. So, so that is what I think is something that's disruptive and innovative. And I think that uh, academic institutions are significantly more open to doing something like this for veterans than they are for uh, adult learners. Um, and uh, that's uh, unfortunate, but it, seems to be the truth. And our hope is, is that if we can show traction uh, with this type of methodology and this type of innovation, then that can be exported to the entire uh, higher education uh, community um, and to adult learners that come to institutions to get a degree later in life and have ex 
vast amounts of uh, experience and uh, professional skills that uh, do have the ability to uh, to show credit worthiness as well. So that is what I mean by disruptive. So is the challenge around um, kind of federal regulatory schemes as far as funding or is is the challenge around getting colleges to understand that the training and experience should be factored into a veteran's um, kind of education structure? Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's twofold. Uh, I think it's not one uh, or the other. I think it's both. And um, so uh, DOD and higher education uh, speak two different languages. Uh, for example, you, know, you might call it a curriculum or syllabus of instruction in higher education. In the military, it's called point of instruction or POI. Uh, and it'd be like the day-to-day learning objectives of any certain class, right? So um, colleges don't understand how to evaluate uh, POIs. And in a lot of cases, service members don't even have access to their POIs, which would be the necessary document to award credit per federal regulation um, and or regional accreditation. Um, so I do think there are some regulatory hurdles. However, there's enough flexibility within higher education right now where uh, legislation is not needed to change this. However, legislation could be used to make this process easier or more streamlined. You know, for example, uh, the possibility of uh, of making uh, POIs publicly available or available to the VA and then using like a VA ombudsman or a state approving agent to evaluate the process uh, and then, you know, work with the school to make sure that they're getting the credit that they deserve. And uh, There's a lot of different ways we can execute this, uh, but I definitely think that it is not only a language barrier, um, and and, uh, in some cases some policy issues. But I also think it's new. Uh, It's new and it's disruptive and it's non-traditional and uh, institutions are leery of of being labeled degree mills, um, you know, and, um, you know, when we start talking about doing these kind of exhaustive holistic evaluations and we're able to show, at least on paper, um, that, you know, in some cases, we could give service member 90 or, or, or 90 plus credits where they're starting their uh, a four-year degree program as a senior. Um, you know, institutions get a little weary of that. Um, and I also think there is some element as well of institutions want tuition revenue in order for their schools to continue to um, to grow and accomplish the mission that they want. So there's def- definitely a lot of different ways to attack this problem and, um we're, uh, we are definitely uh, trying our best and uh, just starting out now. So, Yeah, I mean, I could definitely see how, you know, there would be some amount of pushback uh, from colleges because, you know, they are trying to make money and avoid that label of degree mill. But by the same token, you have to look at the time and expense, kind of like you said, from the taxpayer standpoint, and also just, you know, the veterans time of having to, you know, demonstrate something they've already done or sit in a class on something that they're already either trained in or experientially really good at. 
And so I, I can understand how that would be terribly frustrating for a veteran to go, I'm wasting my time in this. I used to do this for a living. Right. Yeah. I mean, that would be uh, very, very difficult. Um, you know, take someone, for example, who started off as a, you know, an MP, a military police officer, then they changed and, you know, went to CID and became an investigator. Uh, and then you know, they kind of reached the uh, upper enlisted ranks and started more to manage and schedule and budget. Uh, and they get out and they've had this illustrious career um, in, uh, in the military uh, doing law enforcement. And then they want to get a job at, uh, at the FBI or the you know, sheriff's station down the road. And they already have all the competencies and training uh, to reach uh, the, the necessary requirements for that particular job. The only thing that they need is a degree. Uh, and then they get their military transcript and then they go to, uh, you know, community college because they're not unsure of whether or not they're going to be, you know, good uh, in, in a classroom. They haven't been in a classroom in a long time and you know, they just kind of want to see how things work out. Right. And, they, uh, they, they bring their military transcript and they say, okay, well, we know you spent 20 years in the military, but uh, unfortunately, we can only give you a couple gen ed credits uh, and you basically have to start from, from the beginning. And I mean, that, that if, if we want to really truly have a conversation about why people aren't graduating and the cost of education, I feel like we have to uh, at least acknowledge that they're there's part of this where people are bringing into the classroom these experiences that um, uh, should be worthy of uh, some sort of academic evaluation for, for credit. Uh, and especially if the service member is interested in gainful employment, like if, if their primary function of going to school is to get a job, um, then I, I think that we need to do what we can in order to help them uh, persist in that area, especially if we're going to be spending billions of dollars uh, of taxpayer dollars on the issue. So you you know I, I in looking at your website and all of our listeners can can check out the website of the Veterans Education Project. It's going to be in the show notes. Um, you know, and you guys are doing a lot of good work in the policy and advocacy space, but you also have resources on there for veterans specifically. So talk through some of the kind of things that you're providing um, as far as you know, e even as simple as hey, reach out to us. But talk a little bit about what you guys have as far as direct support to to veterans yeah so we uh, we have uh, a lot of uh, contacts within uh, both the department of education uh, as well as the va and dod so uh, a, a lot of things that we feel are, are issues with people uh, that uh, they're struggling with gi bill payments or trying to get tuition assistance through dod or they're having an issue with you know student loans or a policy related issue or uh, we work directly with uh, the actual institution that they go to uh, in some cases where there's been discrepancies in eligibility. Uh, let's say someone's transferred their post and GI Bill to a dependent or a spouse. Um, and we are able to kind of step in and act as like a, a third-party arbitrator to help kind of resolve the issue. And uh, we've been highly effective in that. And then additionally, um, even though the methodology and the database hasn't been created yet, that's something that I'm actually excited to talk about and, and hopefully maybe in a few minutes, 
Um, but uh, we help with compiling or making a better case for the service member to their institution for more military uh, or for more credit uh, towards a degree pathway. Um, and I think the, those are all different ways that we can help uh, service members who are currently involved in uh, higher education. Um, and then, you know, taking a step back from that, uh, you know, like uh, I think we do a really good job and really enjoy just storytelling. Um, so if you have a story to tell and you're a service member, uh, we'd love to tell your story. We'd love to uh, highlight and you know, tell people what was difficult about your entry into higher education or what you liked about it. Um, you know, and, and we, we don't have a set agenda. We just think that uh, the social conversation around service members in higher education needs to be elevated. Yeah, and I think that's critical, and it's one of the reasons why, you know, I'm a big fan of your organization is because just those kind of individual stories not only are, are very helpful for both the, the storyteller and, and potential listeners, but it, it also helps you as an organization, right? Because now you're kind of being able to put together the threads of the consistent uh, pieces of this conversation so that you can help affect the policy and also help other veterans, right? That's at least part of part of the idea behind that. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's great. So you mentioned you mentioned a database and I love a good database. So tell us about the database. <laughs> well, so uh, the database hasn't been uh, hasn't been made yet. Uh, and uh, essentially what we're trying to do is we're trying to work with um, an institution of higher education and uh, create a degree pathway specifically for service members, right? And um, we're uh, really excited to um, to work uh, on this project, uh, and we're in conversations with a few different schools right now um, on doing something like this. Um, but really, at the at the crux of where we start is trying to. Um, if you will, deconstruct a service member's uh, uh, military career. And the first start uh, thing to start with is, is like their basic training and their MOS or their A school and any other training that they've received. So the current methodology is uh, the American Council of Education um, holds this contract from DOD to come uh, evaluate the DOD schools for credit worthiness. But they they only audit a portion of the class and they make a recommendation on the entirety of the class. And what we've seen, if you change the methodology and you actually evaluate the entire POI, the, you know, or the entire curriculum, and you break it down into kind of stackable uh, learning outcomes or stackable badges, um, and then you do that with multiple courses, you can plug and play and start to pull these threads of these credentials out of each class. So, for example, let's say you're uh, started off as a, as a regular medic and you went to medic school and then you wanted to go into special forces and then you became a special forces medic. So you went to Sockham and then you wanted to become an 18 Delta. So then you went through the 18 Delta medical pipeline. And then uh, every year you go through something called SOCMES, which is annual medical training. Um, so within each one of these things, it's all around medicine. Um, but, you know, maybe the first three weeks or four weeks are anatomy and physiology. Maybe there's, you know, basic math or onboarding medicine, right? So when you can break these POIs down, by competencies, 
then you can start to see these competencies uh, are uh, throughout this person's career. And then you can pull those out and say, wow, this is an actual uh, holistic block of instruction. I had three weeks here, four weeks here, six weeks here. These are the outcomes. These are the objectives that they learned. This is a test that they took, right? So that is, in essence, meets the definition of the credit hour, right? You know, time in a classroom, uh, uh, outcome metrics or some sort of test, and then some sort of competencies that were taught. So by kind of expanding the methodology, then uh, you are able to significantly increase the amount of credit a service member can get. That takes a lot of work, right? So the idea is to build a database of all military schools where you could literally type in what you've gone or you could upload your military transcript and then it would say, okay, you know, you want to go to this degree pathway at this institution. This is what their uh, outcome measures are, you know, so, and then you, you would see where you stack up. So, you know, right now, uh, most degree programs are broken down into, you know, different courses that you take. We break those courses down. Well, in each course, like in, you know, a 100 level math class, well, what are the competencies that are being taught and what evaluations are happening, right? So I think it's an easier case to make then when you just compare competencies to competencies, evaluations to evaluations, as opposed to trying to compare, uh, you know, your special operations medical course to a uh, anatomy and physiology course, right? So that's not an apples to apples comparison. So uh, we're hoping to uh, to change that. And it sounds like what, you know, a terrific outcome of this might be is dramatically reducing the dropout rate, right? Because basically what, yeah. you're, what you're having uh, yeah. what you're here is you're, you're putting, you know, veterans who really, I mean, maybe I'm just projecting, uh, but really hate wasting their time. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I don't. I don't think that's a projection at all. I think that's might really, just be me. really might natural, just be me. right? Exactly. So I mean, it's like you know, like you're in your mid 30s and you've you know put in 20 years and you have a family and you know maybe uh, you know a few kids. It's like you're not you're not messing around. Like you want that degree and you want to get to work, right? You know, like in I think that if we can reduce the time it takes to to get someone across the goal line, um, you know, then their motivation is going to stay high and persistence will go up, you know, like, uh, I mean, imagine the difference between the, that Sergeant major or that, you know, master Sergeant that spent their whole entire military career and, you know, and, you know, criminal justice, if you will, starting off at a community college, getting six credits versus the one that starts in a bachelor's program as a senior and uh, they can complete uh, they can complete the program in under a year, right? Like, like most people I know have the drive to, you know, bite down and deal with, you know, something that's hard for a year. You know, you can do that, right? Like, and I'm not saying that, you know, we shouldn't, uh, we should make higher education easier. I'm saying that higher education is education. If there are specific outcomes and specific competencies that we're supposed to teach, we should teach those. But if people already know them, why are we making them do them over and over and over again? Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you're just trying to make um, both government policy and these institutions understand that the long-term incentives alignment is to give these credits, you know, if, if they're justified to get people across the finish line for the degree. Because if you don't and you try to put a sergeant major through 
you know, intro courses, you know, when they're in their late thirties, they're going to drop out. And so, you know, you, yeah. have not, you have not accomplished the mission of, you know, attracting and retaining these folks. Uh, all you've done is create this kind of bubble, uh, which we see in the, you know, college, in the higher education world generally, right? With, with the amount of funding that's gone into higher education, the dropout rate has dramatically risen, right? Because we're basically dramatic. We're encouraging people to come to college, but, you know, the, the, the incentive to finish isn't, isn't necessarily there um, or it doesn't necessarily align as much. And so I think what you're saying is, you know, if we align these incentives and not make people go back and learn how to tie their shoes when they're already a master shoe tire, um, you're going right. to get them across <laughs> the finish line. You're going to get them the degree, which we know provides much better outcomes for, for them and also for the college. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I think that there's definitely a philosophical conversation that's, uh, you know, dancing out in the background and, uh, and the adaptability or the flexibility of traditional higher education um, is, you know, it, it's not that uh, much different than, you know, other large bureaucracies uh, where it's like, not as adaptable as it ought to be, um, but uh, we are in more of a digital age. And I think in, with the internet and online programs, at first they're you know, significantly demonized. It's becoming more and more the norm. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, traditional higher education is being forced to adapt. And I think this is the next iteration of that. It's what's coming next. Because as we try to educate, uh, you know, the the uneducated, uh, and that is, that issue becomes more and more um, uh, of a of an objective that you know that we all share. I think uh, I think some of the the uh, if you will, you come to me attitude of a lot of institutions is being forced to change, and we need to kind of cater and adapt to the educational. Uh, uh, needs and uh, learning styles uh, of uh, the people who are coming into higher education. If we truly want to adapt to uh, and, and meet this this criteria of helping people not only get jobs but um, uh, become uh, graduates. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense, um, Dan. Dan, what other uh, you know parts of the Veterans Education Project should our listeners be aware of? What other aspects are, are there to to support them, and 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 how can they learn more? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, uh, you mentioned the the website uh, VeteransEducationProject.org, or just simply the VEP.org as well. Um, but like we. We believe in telling stories. Like we're interested in telling uh, your story as a service member, you know. So whether that be through stills or whether that be through actual videos, um, you know, if you have done something innovative or your institution has done something that you think needs to be elevated in a, you know a national way, let us know. Um, you know, obviously Facebook and uh, Instagram. Um, as well as Twitter, um, and you know, we, we can be looked up on all of those platforms. But you know, in general, we, we want to tell your story. If you're having problems with you know any sort of payment uh, from the VA or DOD, let us get involved. We're here to help. Super. 
That's great, Daniel. I really appreciate the, the time. It's, it's a great organization. It's a great mission. Uh, encourage all of our listeners to, to check you guys out, uh, check out the website, check out the social and, uh, and definitely reach out because you guys are, are terrific advocates for the same, you know, group of people that's, that's tuned into this program. And I hope that uh, all of our listeners, uh, get to know you guys a little bit better and, and, and reach out. Absolutely. And, and, and one thing, a final note uh, that I think would be interesting to some of your uh, listeners, which is a little bit different than uh, what we, uh, what we've been talking about now. It's uh, a podcast that we actually just started. Um, it's called coffee with Congress. Um, and it's a completely different take on uh, the political conversation and what we're trying to do. Um, and it's essentially where we bring a box of coffee in to a congressman's office or a senator's office, uh, and we uh, sit down with them and we just talk to them uh, about everything but politics. <laughs> uh, we have a lot of uh, are they capable? Can they questions. do that? I don't. <laughs> So they, I <laughs> they are capable. That's the thing. It's mind-blowing. They are absolutely capable of it. Um, so we just have our first two episodes up, um, I think, fred off, fresh off the press yesterday or today. Um, but they are 100% capable of it. And the thing is, is it, it's so humanizing, right? Because politics can be so polarizing. We come in, we talk, and just kind of really hang out with these members of, of – uh, of Congress that uh, are influencing our day-to-day lives in so many ways. And um, it's just a, a fresh take on, on humanizing people who, uh, who are elected government officials. So check out Coffee with Congress. You can find it on uh, Spotify or, you know, uh, iTunes, everywhere, you know, you know, probably at your local grocery store or in a supermarket. <laughs> Not really, but, you know, Coffee with Congress check it out. <laughs> That's super. And we'll, we'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. Dan, thanks so much for the time. This is, this has been super informative. Uh, I, 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 again, I want to encourage our listeners to, to check you guys out. Um, you know, there's, there, there are programs out there to support you veterans. Um, so, you know, check them out and, and don't be, don't be hesitant to reach out and don't be hesitant to reach out and tell your story. Thanks, Dan. Thanks. A well, ton yeah, absolutely. We, we appreciate you having us, uh, and uh, we want to thank you, and uh, we look forward to uh, talking with you again soon.